0: on this episode of New Retina Radio.
1: I have to say I'm a little bit apprehensive. I'm glad that I don't have to go that route, not that it's right or wrong. I'm just, I'm not comfortable as much with the idea.
2: If you're at the point where you actually hire them and then it doesn't work out, then it's a bigger deal. Nobody wants to be in that position.
1: There's, you know, there's no point marrying somebody just for the sake of getting married. It's just, it's not gonna work out.
0: That and more coming up. Retina Radio is an independent podcast supported with advertising by Alcon. This is Mike Lee at Horton Plaza Park in San Diego here for the Retina Society 2016 meeting. New Retina Radio is brought to you by Alcon Surgical. Stop by our booth at an upcoming meeting to see how Alcon is advancing vitreoretinal surgery. You're listening to New Retina Radio from New Retina MD and Bryn Mawr Communications.
3: I'm Scott. I'm Rana. This is New Retina Radio. In this episode, we're going to be talking to two retina specialists, Gita Lawani.
1: Hi, I'm Gita Lawani. I'm a retina specialist at Rocky Mountain Retina Associates in Boulder, Colorado.
3: And Charlie Mango. Charlie Mango,
2: clinical associate professor at Weill Cornell Medical College and in private
3: practice in Westchester, New York. Let's hear a little bit about their practice structures. Gita, first.
1: I'm a solo practice. I started my own practice in my hometown of Boulder, Colorado.
3: And now Charlie.
2: I'm in a two-partner practice, and uh, I've been there for
3: 10 years. They're on opposite sides of the country in similar practice structures, and they've been in practice for about the same amount of time.
4: How did you cross paths with them?
3: It's a long story. This one takes us back to over a year ago, I was at this get-together with Gita and Charlie and a bunch of other Retina docs in Pasadena. We were all gathered in the kitchen, where people always gather at these events, and we're snacking and drinking and having a good time. And I moved from chatting with Gita to chatting with Charlie, and oddly enough, they were both talking about finding a partner. Okay. The three of us were eventually in the corner together, all talking about it, and I was asking all types of questions. And I finally said, stop. We'll have to interview you two and make a podcast episode out of it.
4: (laughs) Okay, so here we are.
3: Exactly, so here we are. Charlie's search isn't urgent. In the
2: future, there'll certainly be a time when I'm looking for a new associate
3: slash partner to join me. Gina, on the other hand, has a search that's a bit more pressing.
1: I have expanded to three different locations, and because of that, I've come to the point that I absolutely need to take on a partner Probably in the next year.
3: Gita framed the search for a partner in rather funny terms when we spoke to her last year.
1: It's like a marriage, you know. And, and you were, st- I'm starting to date. I'm, I'm a little apprehensive about it, but I am starting to date, you know, or at least say that I'm available. Um, but I look at taking on a partner very much the same way.
3: That's right. It's time to date. In color, it's the dating game.
0: Here's the star of our
4: show, and your host, Jim Lange. Things are about to heat up. Rather than the dynamic duo, we have the terrific trio, primed and ready to meet our first lovely young lady. Let's meet them, and here they are! But there aren't any TV shows for retina docs who are looking for a new practice partner, or even an app they can use, like... I don't know, Tinder? (laughs) They don't have anywhere to get answers to all of the questions they have.
3: Like, uh, are you even ready to date, and do you find someone your age, or someone older, someone younger? Yeah,
4: I mean, the list of questions goes on, and we're going to answer them, or at least we hope, in this episode. Gita and Charlie will be our guides through the dating world of retina, specifically these four areas of focus. How do I find potential partners? How do I know if I need something serious versus something casual? How do I find a partner who brings out the best in me? How do I take my relationship to the next level? So
3: let's get this show started. Rana, where do we begin?
4: Well, Scott, let's take a look at question one. How do I find potential partners?
3: Our guests had plenty of ideas. We'll start with Charlie, who pointed to some traditional routes. Both the
2: AAO and the ASRS I believe, have traditional print ads and
3: online ads. Okay, so there's your old-school ways of finding a candidate.
4: Right, the sort of ad that reads, single retina doctor seeking single retina doctor (laughs) who likes pina coladas (laughs) and getting caught in the rain. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Exactly. And the modern version asks those pina colada enthusiasts to go online. Now, Charlie said he would have other options if he didn't take the online route.
2: I'd probably have to hire a headhunter. Uh, which is difficult because that takes a commission.
3: It's easy to see why someone would use a headhunter or some offline method. If you're like Gita, online sites offer a degree of uncertainty.
1: I have to say I'm a little bit apprehensive. I'm glad that I don't have to go that route. Not that it's right or wrong. I'm just, I'm not comfortable as much with the idea. She said some
3: sites are more reliable than others and she's likely to use those ones first.
1: I would probably use a more, you know, um, well-known Uh, job sites such as the Academy website or maybe ASRS job site search, I think those have been very helpful. Those are what I used when I was looking for jobs.
4: If the online thing, like the online dating scene, as it were, Mm -hmm. doesn't work, can you just go through a friend? I mean, there are plenty of relationships, whether they're business or romantic or platonic, that
1: come from knowing a mutual friend. For me, Dating, quote unquote, a friend of a friend is the ideal. So that's why talking to friends in academic programs who are training these fellows, or like I said, knew, you know, know of people who are looking for transitions, they know me, and so they can help at least weed out what we think will be a good first choice to start, you know, at a, at a starting point.
3: Charlie agreed. Direct references are ideal, and rather than go through your Rolodex, you can go to where everyone knows your name. A professional society.
2: Pretty much going to your society would be the best way to do it. I think VBS in particular is a superb way because we're in touch with all the residency and fellowship directors here, which most of them are
3: members of VBS. Colleagues act as filters for potential partners who aren't a right fit.
1: So they can... Help at least weed out what we think will be a good first choice to start. You know, to, at a starting point to say here's somebody. They're well trained. They have good personality. Um, they're they're very ethical. This is a good starting point for you to you know begin having conversations.
3: We seem to have addressed question number one, which yeah. was remind us, Rana.
1: How do I find potential partners?
3: And it's time for question two.
4: How do I know if I need something serious versus something casual?
3: And just to be clear, by something serious versus something casual, we mean something long-term versus something short-term. There are some relationships that are cemented and others that aren't, and both of those are just fine.
2: When most people hire someone, they hire them as an associate and not a partner.
4: So what's the difference between associate and partner?
2: A
3: couple of things.
2: There's a whole host of ways to divvy this up. But generally... Sharing profits and sharing decision-making and how you're paid differs. An associate that's starting out with your practice pretty much makes a salary and a bonus uh, structure based on that, but doesn't have the decision-making capabilities of a partner.
4: So if I'm understanding correctly, the search for someone, be it associate or partner, is like going on dates. Mm-hmm. And then signing for an associate is like I don't know, going steady. Sure. (laughs) Um, And then finally,
1: signing a partner is a full-blown marriage commitment. Right. There's no point marrying somebody just for the sake of getting married. It's just, it's not going to work out. Associates stick around for
2: a bit. Usually it's anywhere from one year to a couple years. The partner and the associate see if it's the right mix. And if it is, then you make it a formal partnership. And if it isn't the right mix. If it isn't. Again, nobody wants this, but you break off and it's better in that position than if you break up as partners later on where there's a lot more invested in each other.
3: It's important to remember that Charlie's practice and Gita's practice have different dynamics.
2: I'm in a two-partner practice and uh,
3: I've been there for 10 years.
4: So pretty small group.
3: Yeah, and the timeline for finding a new partner hinges on two things. His current partner's decision to retire and his office's physical space limitations.
2: Well, if you're in a particular confined space you need to sort of wait till your senior partner's ready to go
4: and if you're not limited by space or by a partner's behavior
2: in an expandable space it's more when you're pretty much at the patient load that you can that both of you can handle and a little bit more and at that point you say you know what we're over busy and now is the time to bring in a new partner and keep this trajectory going and that's a good spot to be in if you
3: are. Which is sort of like Gita's situation, which means to some extent she has to get moving.
1: I'm going from a solo practice to growing larger. There is more pressure because, you know, my point, my practice is going to such an extent that I'm as alone, I won't be able to maintain it or at least maintain it as well as I would like.
3: Yeah, it's time to get going.
1: There is a little bit of a ticking clock on this. Still,
3: even with that clock, Gita preaches that you have to stay calm. Don't just find a partner for the sake of finding a partner.
1: I would still wait for the the right match.
4: Well, Scott, looks like we've answered questions one and two. And now on to question three.
3: That sounds like an interesting, uh uh-oh, you know what that means. That's
4: right, listeners. Time for a break. WE'LL BE BACK WITH MORE DATING GAME AFTER THESE WORDS FROM OUR SPONSORS. DON'T CHANGE THE CHANNEL, FRIENDS. WE'LL BE BACK IN TWO AND TWO.
0: HEY, THIS IS TOM ALBINI OUTSIDE THE CONVENTION CENTER uh, IN SEATTLE, WASHINGTON AT THIS YEAR'S ARVO MEETING. New Retina Radio is brought to you by VBS5, the 5th annual meeting of the Vitbuckle Society, which will take place in April of 2017 in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Vitbuckle meeting is a great place to meet colleagues, fellows and in industry and talk about new techniques and strategies in retina. Visit us at vitbucklesociety.org for more information. Retina Radio is an independent podcast supported with advertising by Alcon. This is Mike Lee at Horton Plaza Park in San Diego, here for the Retina Society 2016 meeting. New Retina Radio is brought to you by Alcon Surgical. Stop by our booth at an upcoming meeting to see how Alcon is advancing vitreoretinal surgery. All right, let's get back to the program.
3: Welcome back, I'm Scott. And I'm Rana. Let's get back to the dating game. (laughs) Rana, remind me where we were.
4: Okay, so so far we answered two questions. How do I find potential partners? And how do I know if I need something serious versus something casual?
3: And what is up next?
4: We have question three. How do I find a partner who brings out the best in me?
3: That's something to consider for sure. Retina doctors are always looking to improve, and finding a partner that improves you is a great chance to make a positive move. Gita said she wants a partner who can expand her horizons.
1: I look at characteristics that are complementary. The business
3: aspect of retina can be important.
1: How you relate to other referring doctors and patients that's perhaps different from me is, is a benefit.
3: But it's also important to have a skilled surgeon who you trust, but whose style might be different from
1: yours. I was just having this conversation with one of my colleagues and she sometimes proctors new physicians as they come into her practice. And she, like me, trained at Bascom palmer And so when you train at an institution, most of us tend to do you know what we did when we were young. You know, when we were babies in the world of retina, we learned to do things a certain way. Some things
3: might have changed.
1: Sure, we might have made small changes, but for the most part, we do things the same way.
3: Learning how others do things might be a good idea.
1: It's very nice to see how people do it at other locations. And I think it's, um, it's a huge learning uh, opportunity for myself as well, to learn how to do things a different way. But how do you know if
3: they're a good surgeon? There isn't a tryout or anything.
1: I think that's for me why I rely on the word of mouth route. As we learned in question two. They're coming from institutions where they've been recently proctored and their you know surgical skills are well known.
3: Charlie agrees that a fresh mind can help his practice. For him, freshness correlates with experience.
2: So what you're looking for, I think is someone preferably right out of fellowship that uh, is well-trained in an excellent fellowship and that is open-minded to the point where they're not set yet in their skill set, they're open to new ideas, they're open to a different way of practicing that might be better in, in our certain area than maybe where they did their fellowship. So I'm looking for, I guess, a younger person who is well trained and has an open
3: mind.
4: Hiring a retina surgeon that's fresh out of fellowship comes with both
1: its risks and rewards.
3: There are a lot more questions for one.
1: When you take somebody who's already been out for several years, you you know obviously always think about well, why are they unhappy at the place they are, are they going to be unhappy in this location, why do they want to move.
3: But an experienced retina doctor comes with knowledge that you can't learn in fellowship.
1: On the bright side, they know how to function in private practice by themselves. They know um, how to uh, deal with referring doctors. They know how to take care of patients. They understand the, the business side of retina perhaps a little bit better.
4: Let's go back to this idea of a
1: fresh mind for a
4: minute, of expanding your horizons. Shouldn't a partner be able to do things you can't? So you can make a good team, like I do this, you do that. Sort
3: of, but it depends on the scale of the practice. If you're a small practice like Gita or Charlie, then not quite yet.
2: In a smaller group, four, five, and under, you're looking for a general retina surgeon uh, that's quite accomplished, Has done, quite accomplished in their residency and fellowship, um, but not necessarily, they may have a separate skill set where they may do ROP or they may do tumors and they can find a niche to utilize that in, especially in a practice such as mine.
3: However, it wouldn't be a prerequisite. Gita doesn't need something like a uveitis specialist at this point.
1: The point that I am in my practice, I want somebody who's very comfortable with medical and surgical retina. That is the bulk of the practice that we have. Uveitis would be Beneficial, But I don't think that it would be enough to make that for me to make that commitment in a, in a specialist yet. What about location?
4: Is that a factor?
3: Yeah, you know, Gita brought this up, actually. She said that location was important and that sometimes it's more important than we think.
1: As a fellow, when you look at your job search, only half of it is the job you take. Half of it is clearly location, you know, and whatever location means to you, is that a place that you want to be? Right, maybe a candidate will want to be close to home. For me, I'm in Colorado, Boulder is my hometown. I I grew up there from a young age. Or at the very least close to a support structure. Ideally, somebody who wants to come to Colorado, either who has family ties, or um, has a spouse who has family ties.
3: Because guess what's coming up?
1: As you come out of fellowship is when you sort of become, where you start your family life, where you start having kids or you get married and, and uh, things that require, I think, or not require, but are very helpful if you have family support. It's a long way
3: to get here, but basically, uh, you know what, we'll let Gita sum it up.
1: So. It's balancing. You know, I think it comes down honestly to chemistry. And what
3: you want in a partner?
1: You have similar philosophies. You have similar ethics. You have uh, similar values that mean a lot to you. For me, you know, obviously I want a partner, whoever it is, to be very hardworking. I want them to be very ethical. But I also, for me, you know, words that trigger in my mind are integrity, loyalty. And um, and avail- I would say availability is not exactly a characteristic, but understanding uh, the nature of, of the business of retina.
3: All right, I think we're done.
1: Me too. Okay, so there goes question three.
4: How do I find a partner who brings out the best in me?
3: Moving on in the new Retina Radio dating game. Mm-hmm. Retina, what is our final question?
4: It's a good one, Scott. Question four. How do I take my relationship to the next level?
3: Remember how you're always told to have an honest discussion with your significant other about anything big like finances, big purchases? Oh, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. The same must apply to a business partner, whether they're incoming or outgoing.
3: Exactly. Charlie, for instance, has a business partner who may be retiring in the coming years. What
2: I'd shoot for is having an open and honest discussion uh, when, say, if it was next year, to then start looking to try to bring someone on to meet that demand as soon as the other partner were to leave.
3: You want a smooth transition.
2: If you want to stay sane, you'd want to coordinate it so that you do have a new partner joining you uh, pretty much as a handoff when, you're, when your former partner leaves you. I mean, you can take the burden of two doctors, but that's going to wear on your psyche and you're going to be pounded with patience. Your social life's
3: going to disappear. Timing can be key here.
2: You also are pigeonholed by the fact that if you're looking for a junior partner right out of their fellowship, you have to wait till they finish their fellowship in July. so that, And then you probably want to hire in August, September. They're going to want a m- month off to travel, I would think, and relax. And I'd want them to have that month off too, just so they can come to you with a fresh head and they're not just moving and then starting up in their new position right away.
3: Like any healthy relationship, you need to be honest in your expectations and you also need to empathize with your incoming partner.
1: I try to look at it from their side coming in. What are they looking at me for? If I can understand and appreciate that, um, then this will be a more real relationship, if you will. Set yourself up with honesty and you don't risk disappointing
3: a future partner because of blown expectations.
1: I'm very honest and open about what my practice is so that I can have your expectations fulfilled. And make sure your prospective partner knows what they're getting into. From my perspective, hiring a partner, I want somebody who comes in understanding fully well what it is, what they they're getting into what my expectations are in terms of us growing this partnership together, and to understand that I'm truly looking for a partner um, and that I am very respectful, you know, to the nth degree in the way I treat people, and, and vice, and I expect that vice versa.
3: Not being clear in your expectations can lead to something worse than unmet expectations. Now, if you're at
2: the point where you actually hire them and then it doesn't work out. Then it's a bigger deal. Um, nobody wants to be in that position, both the employee and the employer, because it's bad for everyone. But those things do happen.
3: Things sometimes go sour. Again, it's a lot like dating. Even if something looks great on paper, it might not be perfect for you.
1: Mm. I think the hardest thing in dating is you think you're marrying, or you're you know going out with a woman who's you know in your opinion, you know whatever, beautiful, ambitious, or or smart, intelligent, and then finding out she's very different, you know, whether or not it's right or wrong, it's very disappointing.
3: To thine own self be true. Stick to honesty and you'll likely have a positive result. So that seems to answer question four, right?
4: Yeah, there we have it.
3: Ah, uh, you know what that music means.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep, time to wrap things up here. So special thanks to Gita Lalwani and Charlie Mango for this episode.
3: I'm Scott Kriswanis. And I'm Rana
4: Jiraja. See you
3: next time. Bye. bye
0: New Retina Radio is a production of Bryn Communications and New Retina MD. The show is produced by Scott Kriswanis with help from Rana Juraha and Rachel Kagan. The show was recorded, mixed, and edited by Greg Notstein. Our staff includes Dave Levine, Megan Biser. Alisa D'Amato, Laura Geis, Julie Kassab, Kira Missourik, Meredith Pollock, and MJ Stewart. Our publisher is Janet Burke. For advertising questions, contact us at radio at bmctoday.com. That's all for now. Take care, folks.
3: This is Scott Criswanis in a very chilly Times Square. New Retina Radio is brought to you by iTube meeting coverage. Each iTube meeting coverage video features a select presenter discussing their podium talk, providing meeting attendees and non-attendees with a digest of the day's biggest lectures. Visit the Retina channel on iTube.net to view a collection of videos for major meetings.